This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Phillips Levin of the 1012 Podcast here. If you've been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I. Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us for our midweek episode and probably last episode for a little bit. My wife is due at any point. Uh, if you've been listening to the show, I've mentioned a few times. I got a second girl coming on the way, a little Emmy, Matilda Slavin. She'll be born sometime soon. Maybe by the time this gets up and you're all hearing it, uh, she'll be here. Don't know. But anytime now. So once that happens, we'll take a brief hiatus. I am working on a, a kind of special project podcast to come up while I'm on paternity leave. Uh, more details about that later. Uh, I, I, like, I've learned my lesson. I'm not going to tease things ahead of time anymore because when I do, they either don't happen or don't happen on time. So I'm just going to just say TBD. Okay. TBD. What is uh, also TBD, the big news that we need to get to, we need to talk about college football. Okay. Now, by now, you all know, the Ivy League has basically announced they will have no fall sports. None. None at all. Um, that does not mean that football has been canceled for the 2020-2021 uh, school year. Uh, just that they are going to allow themselves the option to 
to potentially have it in the spring. If I understand correctly, college basketball for the Ivy League uh, will not start until January 1st. Let's address the football issue first. One, I understand it's the Ivy League. Very different league. FCS league that doesn't compete in the playoffs, doesn't rely on TV money. It's a whole different thing. That is true. It's also true that they were the first ones to cancel their uh, conference tournament back in March, which everyone thought was an overreaction and ended up being a bit of a precursor. Now, that doesn't mean that their move is a sign of what everyone in the FBS is going to do. But if you think those in the FBS aren't paying attention, you are wrong. This is the Ivy League, and you can poo-poo or guffaw or ha-ha about their football all you want. These are intellectual institutions. Decisions they make are things that people pay attention to. School presidents pay attention to what the Ivy League does. Okay? So the idea that what they're deciding is that it's not going to have an impact on your team, my team, the Big 12, the Big 10, the Conference USA is silly. It's silly. Now, we're not going to get any sort of decision as far as what Power 5 conferences are going to do until near the end of July. From everything I understand, they want to have some spring, they want to have some practices because they need the practices, they need the players to practice to be able to gather the necessary data to see what kind of impact that will have as far as Uh, coronavirus testing amongst the team. They need that data before they can make a decision. So they're going to push that decision as long as they can. But that decision has to be made with a month before the season starts. They need that month. They need to have a month before the season starts. They need that much time in prep. I am at a 50-50 position or or feeling. If you asked me, do you think we'll have football this fall? I would say I feel 50-50. I don't know. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows. And you can be mad about it. You can you can make comments, well, this is all blah, 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 back in my day. Folks, I'm angry too. I care more about the students' health. I care more about the players' health. I care more about the coaches and the administrators and those at the university's health. Okay. I want football. I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. We're just going to keep our fingers crossed that things are going to go in the right direction and we can have football. Now, I am going to make a prediction. I think all games against FCS teams by Power 5 teams will get canceled. And I think they should be for one particular reason. Right now, it's all about making sure that the season starts and finishes. If it's a weird season, I don't care. Games will get canceled, but you don't want to start the season and have to end it abruptly. And I don't just mean like one team. I mean college football does not want to have the sport end abruptly because you can't pick it back up in the spring. You can't just be like, well, we'll just save these four games for later. Okay, it's not half a pack of Oreos. It's not a TV show, a Netflix series that you pause and come back to the next day. Okay, it doesn't work that way. So you and I and us and everyone, if we're going to have the season start, it needs to keep going. FCS teams are not going to be able to afford to test players at the level I believe that most, even G5 and Power 5 teams are going to be able to. I do not want... My team. I don't want any team's season jeopardized because there's another team coming into campus or to town that is not able to test at the level necessary to make sure that your team is safe. Do you really feel like you need to play an FCS team if it jeopardizes two other games on your schedule? And that's not a, that's not to try and be derogatory to the FCS. It's not the money. 
There's no way they do. They don't have the resources. It's not going to happen. I think you cancel them. I know that's weird. I just, I think it's something that you do. I think it's the right move. I think it's a good move. Uh, and I understand contracts are what they are. Uh, some have force majeure, which essentially is if there's an act of God, then this contract is null and void. You can reschedule these things. Okay. You'll figure it out. I know it's hard for the FCS teams and I, and I do feel bad for them, but yeah, I need a, I need football. And if that means no FCS games, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. One other thing I want to talk about, and I'll, I'll give credit to the Twitter account. It's Inside NU, which is Inside Northwestern uh, University. It's the SB Nation Northwestern site, and they are uh, giving credit to Tom Dinehart, who covers Purdue football for Gold and Black. According to Tom Dinehart, Big Ten will likely play a 10-game conference-only schedule. Nothing officially decided yet, but an important meeting to be held on July 9th. That would be today. The episode, day this episode is going up. Expect decision in 8 to 10 days. Could still start on September 5th and span 13 to 14 weeks, allowing more schedule flexibility. I don't know who Tom Dinehart is. I don't know enough about Inside NU. I don't know about the validity of any of this. It's all possibly hearsay. But the idea that the Big Ten is considering just going ahead and saying we're not doing non-conference games. We're going to go to a 10-game conference-only schedule, keep everybody close by. I think it's kind of the direction that this is all going to go and kind of should go. I'm okay with it. I I love non-conference games. I want Texas LSU. I want Oklahoma at Army. Okay? I want those games. I want Baylor Ole Miss. I want West Virginia, Florida State. I want those games. I want them. But not at the cost of the season as a whole. So I'm I'm curious how you all think if it's a conference-only season. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at 1012podcast, T E N the number 12 word podcast. What what do you think? My big curiosity would be does that mean the Big 12 has a nine game only season? Since there's only 10 teams that would already play a full round robin, would you add another game? And if you added a 10th game in conference play, forget how unfair that would be if that is actually going to have any sort of implication as far as trying to get to a, a postseason. Should we just do rivalries? If we're doing rivalries, OU, OSU, okay. Kansas, Kansas State, all right. West Virginia, Iowa State? All right. which, which Texas teams are playing who? Who's playing Texas? All right. It's, it's a, it's, we're going to have to have this conversation at some point with somebody. I'm really interested in it. I'm really, really interested in it. The other issue that I really want to find out about, and we're going to have to find a guest to talk about it, is recruiting. Are we going to have an early signing period at all? There's too many players who are committed who haven't been able to take visits yet, who still want to take visits. They're recruiting dead periods all the way into like August. I think Is it August or September? I need to go look it up. Point is, are we going to have an early signing period? Or are they going to do a one-year, just we're not going to have it this year, and signing period will be back in February? I, it's, a, it's a topic that is just, it won't leave my head. I'm so intrigued by it. We're going to find a guest, even if it's just a conversation on our Instagram account that might happen there. Uh, if you aren't following us on Instagram, that's T-E-N-1-2-P-O-D at T-E-N-1-2-P-O-D. We've got some exclusive audio and interviews on there. I try and make sure that the Instagram account has things you can only get there, so it's worth following. I think this stuff's been pretty good so far. Follow us on Twitter, at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. Uh, Leave us a rating and leave us a review, however you listen to the show. I appreciate you listening. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, For those of you who are West Virginia fans, I guess I didn't tease this early on, but if you've seen the headline, seen the name of the episode, you know what it is. Today is our West Virginia preview. Brandon Phoenix, with raspy voice kids on the show, are talking about West Virginia, talk about uh, their potential game against Florida State. Year two for Neil Brown, the quarterback battle, 
talking about the defense, everything going on with Vic Coning. Um, we got a lot. We got a lot to get to. Really fun interview. Really appreciate him being here. This was a long-winded intro, but I'm glad I got it out of my system. I just needed to talk about it. I'm glad you guys uh, are here to listen. So with all that said, West Virginia Mountaineers might be back on Monday, might be off for the next two weeks. Special project coming. Let's get to it. You know, I realized on this pod that we don't always do the best job of covering West Virginia. It's my fault. I, I feel bad. I don't. I don't like the our uh, our Eastern Big Twelve brethren to feel forgotten. So we are doing our West Virginia preview today. Very excited to have our good friend Brendan Phoenix of Raspy Voice Kids joining us again. Brandon, welcome back to the Ten Twelve, sir. Hey, thanks for having me on Ten Twelve. I'm excited to be here. I'm I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to talk a little West Virginia football. Um, I want to start with with Neil Brown, obviously heading into year two, West Virginia had what I would call a successful year one. I thought the season kind of went the way I thought it would, which was tough start out the gate uh, and kind of closed pretty well. And it felt like that team was getting better and better as the year got on. Uh, I'm kind of curious your impression of year one and how you felt like the season the season went. I'm like you. It kind of went up about the way I expected. Almost got bowl eligible, very close there at the end. Uh, knocked off a talented TCU team there at the end and played a lot better with Jared Dagey at quarterback. That said, I was personally very frustrated with not being able to run the ball and not being able to figure out what was wrong with the offensive line. That was something that I thought as time went on would get better and it really never did. Um, so Neil's got some things to prove to me in year two. Yeah, it it was obviously a big issue, the run game. Couldn't get that going. Offensive line troubles. Now you look at, we're heading into this coming season, and I think offensive line is one of the biggest questions for West Virginia. Uh, lose, lost some guys from last year. Have some holes to fill. Um, what is your impression or what, what's your take from the, from the offensive line at this point? And do you see them bringing anybody, trying to bring anybody else in as far as a grad transfer? If I know it's close, you know, we're, this is also weird. We... It's so close to the start of the season for them to try and figure things like that out, but you're going to have to do what you can. So what, what's just your opinion on the offensive line at this point? To be honest, I don't see where this offensive line has gotten much better from last year. You lose your best player, Colt McKivitz, last year. Uh, left tackle now plays for the San Francisco 49ers. And you don't replace him with anybody in anywhere near his caliber. So I feel like Offensive line is a big question mark. You're going to see if some players step up, see if some players grow, like Michael Brown, a guard for this Mountaineer team. Um, So I personally think or am expecting trouble at the offensive line position this year. Yeah, so as you mentioned in the run game, the the two spots where West Virginia has the, the lowest amount of returning starting production are the offensive line and the running backs. Uh, Letty Brown's coming back this season. He's got 198 career carries. Everybody else has combined for 40 career carries. Uh, how concerned are you about whether or not they can get the run game going this season since it was such a struggle in year one? I'm concerned. I'm very concerned. But I'm not concerned because of the running back situation. Letty Brown, I think, is a very talented back. Alex Sinkfield, I feel like, is also a talented back. Um so I think that running backs are not the issue. I think it's the offensive line and the scheme. 
we'll see if those two things are corrected this year because they are those running backs can flourish I think the big thing really for for the offensive course is going to be the quarterback play uh you got two guys back uh in in Kendall and Daigie Daigie went two and one Kendall went three and six you can you know one had better QB passer rating one had the team scored more points with the I just I don't know that I come away from either one saying one is better than the other, um, significantly better or so. I know that Kendall had the uh, the injured hand uh, from the Missouri game, so you have to take that into consideration when looking at his play throughout the his time as the starter. Who do you think ends up with the starting job this season, and do you think that they keep it the whole year? Teach me how to dig. Teach me. Yeah, that's how I go. <laughs> teach me how to dig. Teach me. Teach me how to dig. I think there's something called the eye test you, you guys might be familiar with. The yeah, eye I'm, test, I'm familiar with this term, yes. Yes, the eye test tells me Jared Daigie's the better quarterback. He's got moxie. He's got a better control, better presence. I think he's the guy. Now, I do think injury played a part, so I think it'll be an actual battle for who gets that position. But I think overall, the winner will be Jared Daigie, and I think he will remain the starter throughout the season, provided we have, have a season, something we have not discussed. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I almost don't want to. We'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that in a second because that's like the last thing I want to talk. We're, I'm tired of talking about that all the time. Um, on defense, look, I, I haven't. I'll, I'll drop a little, uh, a little exclusive news here. Uh, when I, when I was filling out my preseason offense and defense, um, I have, uh, I have Darius Stills on my preseason defense. Now I don't have his brother Dante. But I, I I have a hard time arguing against those two or but anyone else being maybe the best one-two punch on the defensive line. Looking at the defense, it's going to be they had the most returners uh, as far as this team goes. That's this feels like the strength going into this season. Defensive line feels like a strength. Is that the best part of the team, or is there another area on the field on the defense that you think uh, people should keep an eye on? Defensive line is definitely the strength. Anchored by Darius and Dante Stills, of course, the two best defensive linemen. But Jeffrey Pooler is somebody not to sleep on either. I think the defensive line is going to live up to the expectations. Very, very talented crew. I think that at linebacker, listen and look for a guy named Vandarius Cohen, a transfer from uh, Alabama, former four-star linebacker, had some trouble when he was at Alabama, had an injury in last uh, the, the last season he played with WVU. Um, but I think Vandarius Cohen is going to tear things up for the Mountaineers this year at line at the linebacker position. The secondary, you got Nick Troy Fortune, who I think is going to surprise a lot of people. So keep an eye out for him as well. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that secondary. That's you know, this is the Big Twelve. This is a pass happy league, and I know that everyone's a pass happy league now. It feels like secondary is such a big thing in the Big Twelve. I mean, how do you think they will stand up against? what I think will be a, 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 a good crop of quarterbacks this year with so many guys uh, coming back. I really think the secondary is going to be good. Dreshawn Miller, Nick Troy Fortune, um, Kerry Martin Jr. I think the secondary, Tyke Smith, I don't leave his, his name out. I think the secondary is going to be very good this year. Young, but talented. So I think that you're going to see some, some explosion, some explosion, some explosive plays. Um, and really just manning up and being what I am predicting is going to be a breakout unit for the Mountaineers. 
All right, so I'll just let's we're talking about defense, so we have to have this conversation. Obviously, uh, West Virginia defensive coordinator uh, Vic Coning, a little bit, a little bit of, of I don't want to say drama, but obviously some things you don't want to see in the program. He has uh, made a sincere apology to safety Kerry Martin Jr. in regards to allegations of mistreatment, things that he was said. I, does this feel like something that we're past? As far as the team, uh, is this still something hanging over the team? And, and do you think this is something that could carry into the season and, and, and is still a concern? It's definitely a concern. It's definitely hanging over the, over the team's head because the investigation is not over yet. They're still doing the investigation. So while he's made his apology, no decisions have, made, have been made about his future. So that's a big question mark for West Virginia going forward. Um, what will be the resolution of this case? That said, if Vic Koenig stays – He's going to be under a microscope for the whole season. He's a colorful guy, um, gives a lot of cool quotes, tells lots of cool stories, but he'll be under a microscope with a different kind of pressure from the media and from the fan base. Um, this has divided the fan base. People feeling like Vic Koning's under attack for his beliefs. The thing that I want people to understand is Vic Koning is not under attack because of his beliefs. Vic Koning is under attack because he took race religion and politics into the workplace allegedly if those things are true that is the issue if they're not we're having a whole different discussion about truth and honesty and what can be done um as far as carrie martin is concerned so there's a lot to be sussed out with the investigation me personally as a fan i'm just taking my time waiting on the athletic department to finish their investigation and give me the results before I come to any conclusions about what happened and what should have happened. Yeah, this is this is just I, I don't I don't know what the best way to put this. Is this is something we're having to deal with uh, across the board in college football, and it's something that obviously should be dealt with, and something that has obviously been an issue for some time. And, and now is the time where it's finally being addressed across every team, uh, every sport. Obviously, Oklahoma State dealing with quite a bit of things as well with Mike Gundy and, and this with with Koenig, and I just. With the situation and with what the allegations are, if the investigation comes back that the allegations are accurate, what do you think or do you have an opinion you want to share on on what West Virginia should do moving forward? No, because, again, there's a lot to be said. Like, Vic Koenig's already made the right move by first with the sincere apology, what sounds like a sincere apology, sounds like a personal apology as opposed to something crafted by a, um, a firm. Um, but I don't know what else is being said by other players because I'm assuming the other players are being are going to be interviewed about this whole situation as well. And Kerry Martin repeatedly spoke as if he was speaking for people as opposed to just for himself. So um, that'll be, you know, those kinds of things will dictate my response as to what should happen. Um, one thing I think is favorable for Vic Coning is you don't hear a lot of former players coming out saying or agreeing with what Kerry Martin is saying. Um, typically in these kinds of cases, you'll have that. So hopefully this is just a case of two personalities not communicating properly when it comes to these topics, which should not be brought up in the workplace at a public university. No. Yeah. I, I, I think we can all agree on that. There's a time and a place for conversations like that. And it's it's not from bosses to subordinates, which is essentially yes. from coach to player what, what you're dealing with here. I don't think anyone would want to have their boss telling them the things that 
Vic is a lot of saying uh, to players. I agree. So, um, okay. So let's talk about the season that may or may not happen in the fall or at all, or in the spring, because at this point we're back to who the hell knows. Um, I'll say this uh, West Virginia schedule, the uh, two games against power five teams, Florida state to open the season in Atlanta. And while, Neither West Virginia or Florida State are where they have been in the past. That's still a matchup that, especially for the Big 12, is very intriguing to me and one that I hope we're going to get to see play. So let's just let's just assume it's going to get played. I don't think it does. Let's just assume it's going to get played. Looking at that game on September 1st, or September 5th, sorry, September 1st, sorry. Um, what, what are your expectations for the season opener? What do you want to see in that game from West Virginia to feel like year two has is going to be an improvement over year one i want to see us run the football i want to see us average chunks of yards on the offensive side of the ball when running it downhill that's one of the things that i want to see that's probably the number one thing i want to see um i think the receiver is going to be fantastic i'm not worried about them i think jared dake is going to be is going to do a good job i'm not worried about him um but I do want to see tight end usage in the passing game. See if Michael Laughlin will get some burn and if he will get um, the targets. We'll see how that goes. Defensively, I want to see us get after the quarterback. I want to see De- Dante Stills make the jump that Darius made um, from his ju- from his uh, junior year to his senior year. Um, but we'll see. That's what I want to see, as I'm not sure what we're going to actually see. Because Florida State is probably going to be significantly different than what they were in the last few years. Mike Norvell coming there changes almost everything. If it was still uh, uh, Willie Taggart, then I would be predicting a win without question. With Mike Norvell there, I don't know what to expect coming out of Florida State. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Let's just assume a 12-game season happens. What do you think is a a realistic expectation record wise for West Virginia this year? Six and six to seven and five. And I and I think I think that's because I don't think we're gonna be able to run the ball. And when you're one dimensional, especially well, I mean in any league, but any league with any talent, um, teams are gonna dictate to you what you're doing and you're not gonna be able to compete, not not significantly, not seriously. I hope I'm wrong, but that's what I'm expecting. That's what I'm expecting to see. But I still think the team should be good enough. There should be enough improvement that they become bowl eligible. So six and six or seven and five for the West Virginia Mountaineers in the 2020 season, if it is to happen. So, yeah, I'll just breaking news. I have West Virginia going six and six. I have them four and five in Big 12 play. Um, and I think six and six is a, even though it's only one win more than last season, like if a full twelve season game season is played, I still think that's a big step forward for West Virginia. I think I don't want to say that they overachieved last year because I kind of thought that they had the potential to get to a bowl game if if they could win the games down the stretch, um, and they had opportunities. They just couldn't pull some of those off that West that Oklahoma State game uh, uh, in particular. But man, six and six feels like a step in the right direction and the kind of thing you want to see in, at a program with a, a second year head coach. Yeah, I think the be- the game that would have been the biggest difference last year is Baylor. If Jared Daggy's the quarterback, I think we win that game. That said, yeah. I'm with you. I think a one game improvement, one to two game improvement, is a huge jump for a second year coach 
in a Power Five conference for the first time. Um, and it also gets you those extra bowl practices, which will be very essential, seeing as the offseason was shortened because of COVID this year. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. I, I never want to – I always think bowl, bowl practice is huge for teams. Like I, yeah. I think we, we overvalue the outcomes of bowl games and undervalue the benefit of, of bowl practice and the opportunity to just tinker and try new things and, and test stuff out and get other guys opportunities to – to, to practice and, and, and try out with the team. And, and I just, I think bowl practice is such a big deal that we just don't give enough credit to. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you 100%. And I have this conversation, I feel like, every fall about how important those bowl practices are, especially with young teams. Yeah. Especially, you know, if you kind of hope you got heading into this season when there was no spring ball. All right, so let's just, let's just address the elephant in the room. Um, at this point, it feels like a decision – as best we can come to as a unified one, as far as college football will come at the end of the month. Um, they're going to have to make, the, you can't wait till two weeks before the season starts. You've got to be able to have an idea of what to do come the start of a fall practice. Um, it feels like the end of the month is when we're going to have a decision. Uh, you're, you're, you're seeing a lot of, of news, you know, USC going to go primarily to classes online. Um, we're waiting to, I just, the news went from bad to looking better to it's July and the news is sounding bad again as we see more and more cases spike across the country of COVID, of of the coronavirus. And I just, I don't want to be negative and I don't want to be pessimistic, but you, you're starting to hear more rumblings of spring football season again. Um, I, I am getting to the point where I, I just want to have football um, and, and I'm perfectly fine and it won't happen because there's too many egos and too many people involved and too many people with opinions because there's no college footballs are, but I'm of the opinion of let's just, just try something this year. Just get wacky. I don't care what it is. Throw out the schedule book. Um, just try and go regional. Whatever you got to do to make this work is fine with me. I'm curious your feeling at this point on kind of what you're starting to maybe expect as far as the 2020 season and, and, and how it might look. I think the season will start. And I think what's going to happen is it's going to stop because of COVID cases, because of COVID spreading, um, not just because of sports, but just because of the way, the pattern in which the virus has been trending. Um, and I think, that's what's going to, I think that's what's going to happen. I think you're going to get maybe through your out-of-conference schedule, and then that'll be that. I personally go back and forth on what should happen. I work in a hospital myself, so I've seen COVID up close and personal. I, I know per, I, I, if it was up to me, there would be no fans in the stands for these games. None. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because most of these places are just bench seating. Most people are not going to spread out. Um, you have the controversy, which is a funny controversy to me, over masks. Um, so there'd be no fans in the stands at all, giving the best chance for the games to continue. Yeah. Plus, I think, you know, I talked about this on the show Monday. I think not having, going ahead and just saying we're not going to have fans allows you a certain amount of, of flexibility. The logistics of having to reschedule or move games or deal with those kinds of things is hard enough. If you're also having to be like, hey, it's Friday, we've decided to not allow fans on Saturday. Like, I know people don't want to make drastic decisions too early. And if that's a decision that comes at the end of July, that's fine. But I would rather just, again, what would you, are you more of a, 
it's got to be all or nothing. The game has to be perfect with fans and all these no. things. Or do you just, I just want football. Like, I just I want to have college football. The majority of people are consuming football on television. So mm-hmm. I just want mm-hmm. football. That's where I'm going to watch most of it. Um, and so I just want there to be football. That's the most important part to me. I mean, aside from human life, I, I don't, that goes without saying. Yeah, of course. No, 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 no. Yeah. No. yeah. I don't, I don't care about the authenticity. I don't care about the perfection. I care about having football, especially for these athletes. If you talk about having the spring season, there's going to be a lot of athletes who aren't going to get to play because they have NFL aspirations and it'll be too close to the draft and no reason or no real incentive for them to play. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Good, goodbye, Trevor Lawrence. Goodbye, Chuba Hubbard. Goodbye. Uh, Justin Fields. Jamar Chase, like there's all these guys who know they're going to be first round draft picks. They're going to, they're going to go practice and prep for the draft. They're not going to play. Which is what they should and, do, which is what they should do. Oh, absolutely. Ab, abs, absolutely. If you're going to be a first, second, third round draft, if you have real NFL draft aspirations for this next draft in 2021, if there's spring football, you tell me you just feel like you need to, to, to prepare for that and not play the season. I'm, I'm going to be sad and disappointed. We won't see it, but in no way, shape or form, am I going to hold that against a single player. Nope, me either. So, Brandon, um, this was awesome. I appreciate it. I gotta, I gotta ask, uh, uh, what, what's on your mask? My mask, I wear. Like I said, I work in a hospital, so I, I just use those cloth masks that we have from there. Okay. I have one from a, I have one from a company called Chanelligans that's all black that I wear when I'm at home. Um, but you know that way I look like a ninja. Well, like Chanelligans, that's good. That's a, I like, okay. What, cool. what about cool. you? What's on your mask? Uh, I got two. I got, I got a, I got a gray one. Solid gray. I've got a green with dinosaurs and I've got an Oklahoma state one on the way. That's a bandana, but it's got pistol Pete's mustache where like under where your nose would go. That's awesome. So, um, I'm very excited about that. Very excited to wear that in the middle of central Arkansas with around people who'll be like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, that's fine. <laughs> You're not supposed to get it. Yeah. It's supposed to be, this is for me. This isn't for you. Yep. Not for you to consume. <laughs> Brandon, this is awesome. I really appreciate you giving us some time tonight to talk about West Virginia. Uh, do me a favor, but everybody wants to check out the fantastic work that you, that you do uh, covering the Mountaineers. Where can they do so? They can check us out at Raspy Voice Kids on Twitter and Instagram, the Raspy, Raspy Voice Kids podcast on Facebook, and we are on Apple, Spotify, iTunes, uh, TuneIn Radio. We're everywhere where you consume podcasts. You can check us out, Raspy Voice Kids. You guys are gonna have a new episode soon? Yeah, we have one every week. Oh, iTunes is not updated since like May. Oh, really? Yeah. That's weird. I listen to it on iTunes. Okay. Well, it didn't show me the uh, that's then that's on me. I'll go double check. That's well, I wonder if other people have had the same experience. That's weird. Because I went and checked it today. Yeah, we did. We did. I want you should check out. You should check out what we did on the Vic Conan, Kerry Martin uh, episode. Okay. Well, then I'm gonna have to go find it because I wanted to listen and I checked out. I'm gonna do. You know what? I don't care if this is bad radio. I'm gonna do it right now. I'm gonna just tap in here. (laughs) It's your show, man. It's your show. That's right. I can do whatever the heck I want. Raspy. There you go. Raspy voice kids. At least talk into my mic. We're into this. K R V K. See all episodes. There's just there's a lot of episodes. The last episode it shows, the most recent one, is May 7th. That's weird. We've done one every week. We haven't skipped any weeks. 
I believe you. But there's just like everything, like it goes to like February of 2019 and then September of 2019 and then May 7th. If I click all episodes. See, when I go on, I do it on my phone though. That's where I'm on is my phone. And I, That's what's weird. Yeah, it's got it there. Third. Oh, there we go. Okay, so it's weird. That's what's weird. If you go to all episodes, like it's uh, organized by season. So like the top one is season 159 and it's May 7th. Then there's like a couple, a season three episode, a bunch of season one. You got to scroll all the way down to something called like unknown season. There they are. All right. Now I found them. Oh, that's weird. I don't know why it's organized like that. Okay. Well, just ignore me because they're there and now I can go listen again. No, that's perfect. This is good radio because now people, who, other people who may have had that issue know where to find it. Yeah. Go check it out. Best West Virginia podcast. It absolutely is. You guys are awesome. Brandon, thanks again. Really appreciate your time. And uh, now I'm going to go catch up and, uh, and go back through some episodes because I'm very excited. All right, brother. That's awesome. I appreciate you. Podcast Network.